Welcome to Let Go Lean In, a podcast of resources for your journey of transformation. What kind of transformation? The wholehearted kind, personal, professional, and spiritual. Each week, you'll hear different transforming practices to help you on your journey of becoming more fully you. We'll hear from others about their own journeys, learning to let go of habits and patterns that no longer serve them, and how they're practicing leaning forward to the wise woman God has designed. I'll occasionally include a book recommendation because, well, that's part of how I'm wired. I love ideas and encouraging others to learn and grow. Thanks for being here. Well, welcome, dear listener, to another episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I'm very excited to introduce to you a new acquaintance that I happen to meet through the internet of all places. Isn't that the fun place? Judy M. Baker. Hi, Judy. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. This is going to be fun. (laughs) It is going to be fun. Our first conversation was great. Our time together so far has been very energetic. So I know you as listeners are going to appreciate what Judy is going to be sharing. So let me introduce you to Judy. Judy M. Baker founded Book Marketing Mentor to support authors at every stage in their journey, guiding them on the path to success and sustainable sales. Judy is the president of the Redwood Writers Club and co-hosts the Grand Authors Group. So, Judy, you have much to offer us in regard to leading yourself well, because not only are you a president of an organization, but you're also a founder and you are doing great work in the world. So this is exciting that you agreed to be a part of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) So I always love to kind of give some context to my guests' lives and what they do by asking a question. If there is a time that you can remember leadership showing up in your life where you kind of paid attention to that for potentially the first time. Do you have a story like that? Oh, gosh. Well, this is this is an interesting one. Um, I was so incredibly shy, you might be surprised. And I am an introvert. Mm. But the way that I have worked with that my whole life is looking at what I can share with others. And this story, I don't think I told you this story, but this totally fits. When I was in high school, I had a theater teacher who helped me understand that I could share my voice. Mm. Because before that time, in speech class, I was so terrified. I was like, oh, tremble, tremble. Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, people say that, but mine really were doing You know, I was holding on for dear life. And she said, no, 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 no. What you want to do is you want to stand clearly and just let your energy radiate out beyond your own body. Mm. And you want to be heard in the back of the room. And we had a huge auditorium. And I thought, 
oh, I can learn to do that. Cause I mean, seriously, I had such a soft voice. Nobody could hear me. Yeah. And when you think about leadership, <laughs> if people can't hear you, they can't engage with you. Right. But I took it a step further. I had a girlfriend. Um, I was in a, I was in a service group and my, one of my friends was about, oh, probably about eight years older. And she had taken a job at what was a brand new company called Veritype, which was one of the first digital typesetting companies in the world. Oh. So if this is before, you know, we all had personal computers because yes. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit older than that. Um, and so and she- Perfect season of life. Let's do let's, I love where I am. Exactly. But she took us on a tour of her company and I knew how to type because they taught us how. Who knew that, you know, we were going to need to know all this stuff later, but she took us on a tour and I saw her enter on the keyboard and then it put type into a machine so it could create what was going to be printed right. an offset printer and before it was all done by hand i mean they had blocks of type and i saw that and yeah my eyes went and here i was in high school back when they had home ec which was for girls and they had what was called industrial arts for boys mm -hmm. But in the industrial arts class, guess what they did? Yeah. They used the typesetting machine and they learned how to use a printing press. And I said, I want to do that. Now, there were two things, three things against me. One, that I was a girl. One, that that was not part of my college prep course. Mm -hmm. And the other was, nobody had done it who wasn't a you know gender assigned to that class right. and i said i want to do that my college counselor said you don't want to do that my father said she's taken the class yeah. and i broke the gender barrier and i got to put together my very first book and who knew that later along the road, I was going to be working with authors. That's amazing. But I had the courage to say, I want to do that as shy as I was. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Practice loved using it. your voice after being encouraged to use your voice. And so then you used your voice for a, a different reason and still moving forward. I, I love that. You know, yeah. It's, it's fascinating to me as I've asked people, you know, over the past couple of years that I've done this, um, this question, just how young we get a sense of the need to have courage to step forward, the need to use our voice, you know, to convey something, but also to, in a sense, stand up for what was right, because you saying, I, I want to do that and breaking that gender barrier allowed other women to follow along at, in, yes. you know, later classes and things. And 
you know, if you hadn't been courageous, it could have just perpetuated, you know? So I love oh my that. goodness. Well, I think, well, cause title seven didn't even come into play until I was an adult. I was an adult and, you know, long past that. So yeah. there were, you know, I grew up in the era where you couldn't open a bank account if you right. were a woman yeah. and lots of other things. And I still, I still can remember that, you know, and that was part of in my own life. And you mentioned something right before we started when, when my father knew that he was going to pass away because he yeah. had, um, we carry the BRCA gene in my family, but we didn't even know that existed back then. Right. But he he knew he was going to pass away and we had to do all these things with my you know my mom had to do all these things and we had to get you know you had to do power of attorney to transfer all of that and to get her on to some of the you know onto the different accounts i mean it's really crazy to think that that some of the people in government want to go back to that that women don't have the rights to do things because just because of our gender. And it makes me nuts. It, it, I'm right there with you. It makes no sense to me mm -mm. to, um, to go backward. That doesn't, you know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't even make any sense. I don't know how else That's to say it. it. And yeah. yet we find ourselves in this time where it's vitally important that we encourage others to be courageous and use their voice and stand up for what they know is right. And, and to take risks, like write a book. I mean, that's, it's amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think because books, well, books saved my life more than one time. Mm. And that more, please. I love oh, you. <laughs> well, I found myself. Um, I loved the library when I was a little kid, and I still do. I just think books are magic. Yeah. And they took me on adventures. But when I was in my 30s, I was so depressed. Mm. My mother, my mother said, okay, she said, go to the bookstore, go to the self-help section, go find something that's going to make you feel better. And my mother didn't usually speak that way at all, but she told me to do that. And I did. I went to my local bookstore, which I love reader readers books. I mean, what a perfect name for a bookstore. Yeah. So what do I find? I found Susan Jeffers, Feel, feel the, the fear, fear and, and do, do it anyway. anyway. I mean, oh, could that I, have been a better book? Okay. So that was one oh of them. Oh, good. Such a great book. The other one, I actually know the author. Oh, how fun. But I didn't know her when I read the book. Oh, that must be. And cool. that is How to Work a Room. And that's my Suzanne Rowan. Okay. Was this teeny tiny person? I mean, physically she's tiny, but she is a big spirit. And I saw her do exactly how to work a room. Okay. So if you're going to go speak in person, you get there early and you talk to the people who were in the audience. 
which I didn't know how to do mm. because I think I said I'm an introvert. Well, I'm a shy introvert on top of it. Yeah. And once I saw that transformation, plus feel the fear and do it anyway, because I was scared to death. Sure. I could suddenly recognize I knew things that people wanted to know, but I wanted to hear their story. Uh-huh. And we connected. Uh-huh. And then getting up in front of a room was never about me. It was about the audience. And that really, it, boy, <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't want to cry right now. Oh, but so powerful. Absolutely. And yeah. emotion does come up with that. And, and to see and experience that transformation and recognize that connection disarmed the fear. It, it totally did. And it doesn't matter if I'm afraid. It doesn't matter. What matters is acting in the face of that fear and letting it sit. It can sit right here. Sure. But it doesn't have to block me. Right. It's not taking control of what you need and want to do. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think that is such an excellent, first of all, excellent book. I also read it, which is why I just entered in right with you. (laughs) Um, I do want to read how to work a room because that sounds like such a powerful set of awareness because no matter how many times people public speak, there is the set of butterflies that stir up and the the concern over will my technology work will you know the screen do what it's supposed to do all those things but if you can be present to the people that are there to listen and engage that that's incredible and that also lowers that removes that block moves it off to the side i love that so you've talked about some very specific examples in your own life. And I'm curious, as you've had the opportunity to work with authors in Mm -hmm. helping them get their their baby out into the world, at at what point in your life did you start your company? Because that, you know, sounds that's very courageous. And that's very much, you know, putting putting yourself in front of others. How, how did that come to be? Well, it's really crazy because I think if if I think if if we had my timeline, we'd go, oh, she did it again. Oh, she broke another rule. Oh, broke another rule. <laughs> Good. Rule breakers um, get things done. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of my thing. Um well, I went back to school to get a master's in organization development and human resources. And found myself out of job after after I was the first HR director at two different companies, one of them being Sutter Home Winery. And there was a great flattening of human resource positions around the time that I I graduated. And after looking and looking, I didn't find a job. 
Um, I started a career resource center with my other friends who were in the same boat because we knew other people like ourselves. If we went to a job search group, what would happen? We would wind up leading it, but we weren't getting leads for ourselves. Right, right. So I decided, um, well, this is really nuts. This is really crazy. One of the things that we did is we would have brown bag lunches at our career resource center, and we would bring in industry experts so people could see if they wanted to stay in the same career path or did they want to switch using their skills. Mm -hmm. We had the graphic arts director come in from the junior college and I went, oh, that's a job? graphic artist is a job. I was already doing it, but I didn't know that it had a separate name. Oh. And so I said, Oh, I'm going to do that. So I started my, I started one of the first home-based business. I know. Does this sound like a pattern here? (laughs) (laughs) What are the first? It's a great pattern. I love it. It's fabulous. I started one of the first home-based businesses other than you know, like babysitting and things like that in Sonoma County. And I was interviewed by a reporter. It was featured in the Press Democrat, had a full page. I mean, it was a full page spread. And here I was, and I, you know, was talking about starting my graphic design business, but my focus was always on helping business owners get their message out there, which I then did with my graphic design business. And then I transitioned into branding for authors because I, I woke up this one day and said, Oh, all of my clients are also authors. (laughs) So that's how book marketing mentor started. I love it. Connecting the dots. You see, see the opportunity that you needed to step toward because that, that HR thing didn't pan out the way that you hoped. I, I love that. That is, that is the perfect example of paying attention and developing your skills and yourself, and then turning around and helping develop others. Right. I, I got my master's in organizational leadership, very close to what you did. Oh, yeah. And and one of the things that we studied are the the research-based styles of leadership. And it it I came awake to the fact that, oh, I'm a transformational leader. I didn't know that there was a name for the way that I led people. And sure enough, it is. And this is what you're talking about. Because you learn and then you help others learn so that they can then step forward in their own leadership of themselves and, and, you know, within a group organization. So I love this and, and developing yourself and others is a lifelong thing, right? So it has been it. it, And I think my style changed because I Mm. used to not believe that it was, it was even possible to delegate to Mm. other people that I had to do it all. If it was going to get done, I had to do it all. Well, that's a lot of baloney 
And I've had so much more fun allowing people to present an idea, develop it out. I'll be there to support them, but I don't have to do it all. And then we have more complexity sometimes, but also these unexpected gifts show up. Right. You allow people to to contribute their creativity you wouldn't expect. And, and then suddenly, even though, like you said, it can be more complex because a lot of different ideas and moving parts and things like that, but it whatever the goal originally was, it's more full in a good way because more people have contributed as themselves and not just getting a task done. And that kind of collaboration is, is very, you know, perpetuating of energy. People want to keep showing up and, and participating in what you're leading because like, Oh, I get to be a part of this rather than I've been given my task and I'm going to go off and get this done and I'll come back and report back. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that style, but to recognize that you appreciate not having to do it all yourself and, and making sure other people have opportunities. That's, that's fabulous. You know, well, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just was going to say, I think, I think um, what we've been seeing too, you know, a lot of organizations have aged out because mm. there was this top down yeah. um, way of, of, leading well to me that's not I don't even know if I want to call that leading I I kind of think that's more dictatorial but yeah what I'm what I'm experiencing is when you allow people to even if they're going to fail that there's this ownership Mm -hmm. and so there is more of an investment and that people want to participate and they have the opportunity to participate And I revitalized the Bay Area Independent Publishers Association by opening it up um, so that people could answer questions Mm. and get peer-to-peer support. It wasn't always, oh, you're in the front of the room, so you're the the only Uh, one, the president's the only one who knows stuff. I don't believe in that. I really like having lateral... you know, contributions. And I hold the space for people to succeed. Ah, that's beautiful. That, that is such a great way to communicate that because it is a style of leadership that authoritarian dictatorial, this is how it's going to be done. Now you all go do what I told you you're going to do. And I'm going to check up on you. You know, that has been a style for a long time. Yeah. But interestingly enough, as more women step into leadership in a variety of spaces, whether it's in an independent uh, situation like your own, or if it's in an organization, whatever it is, women lead differently than men. And not surprising, but they're bringing people along and building people up and allowing collaboration and allowing um, that creativity. And so I love that you have revitalized an organization that is so beneficial to so many people who want to be publishing. I mean, that's, that's so exciting. So when you think about that 
you know, revitalizing and, and doing something differently. Mm -hmm. When, when you meet resistance, cause it's not, if you do, it's when you do, right. What, what keeps you motivated to keep persevering in the face of resistance, pushback? Uh, now we've never done it this way before, or, you know, whatever. Might oh gosh. <laughs> whatever I, might know, I think it's so funny. Um, well, a perfect example. I started using Slack. Oh yeah. On another, uh, I was on another board, and I when I came into the leadership position at Redwood Writers, I said, "Well, you know what? I am horrible at email. I'm, and you and I both know that that can We've probably, already you know, exchanged. Yes, yeah, one person to another on not great at email. Here we are. Okay, yeah. So. <laughs> And that's, and that was actually one of the things that Suzanne's taught me. She said, always ask people, how do they like to communicate? Ah. And, you know, do they like email? Do they like to have a phone call? Do they want to, you know, now we would say, do you want to be on a zoom call? And so I just admitted straight on, I said, I am horrible at email not because email isn't an effective means of communication but if you've got a team email sucks oh yeah i mean it just I, well maybe that wasn't a nice word for me to say but anyway <laughs> um, it's part of our vernacular unfortunately or fortunately which I'm... exactly well i just think of a vacuum cleaner when i yes. say that. Mm. um so i said you know i've been using slack for for a several years and I had to get that group on board too. Oh yeah. And I said the reason I like it is you can decide what channels you're going to look at, but you can attach files. And instead of sending out an email that is going to be this big chain, the information is all right there in front of you. So right. I think I am somebody who looks for technology that is helpful and collaborative technology mm. you know what i really love and so i said well this is a this is a tool doesn't cost us anything let's do it and we're going to all make an agreement and being a transformational leader you understand yeah. what i'm saying yeah everybody has to say yes even if you don't think you understand how it works we're going to try this and let's do it well, once I got people accustomed to using Slack, what a shift. It wasn't like, well, where, where are the board minutes? Where's the file? Who's mm -hmm. doing what? We all had a central place right. to get what we needed. Yeah. And I've always been that way with information. I think that's why I loved libraries. Because, oh, here is this treasure trove. What do you want to learn today? Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so you just, you gained that consensus. Exactly. And, and, and then as you, you know, started implementing it, if there was resistance, you just reminded them that they had already bought into the consensus. How, how did oh. you lead? <laughs> That's always that something funny. people like to know. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I just said, I'll be here. If you have questions, 
you have access to me 20, yeah. you know, not 24 seven, but you have access to me pretty much all the time. You can, you can call me if I'm not, if, you know, if it's after hours, leave me a message. Don't worry about disturbing me. Cause I had my phone set up. Yeah. You could, you could leave me a voicemail and I'd get right back to you. And I did the same thing with Slack. I said, if you don't get it, I'll sit with you and I'll show you how to use it. Nice. And so I did. And so anytime anybody tried to send uh -huh. an email, I said, there's no guarantee I'm going to respond. So if you really want to be in touch, we're going to do this. And we need to make the decision that that's how we communicate. Right. Because you know this too. Communication isn't just me talking at you. Right. If you're not listening, there's nothing happening. So we did it. And I did have a couple of people who just said, I don't want to learn anything new. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You're live, living and breathing. Be, be flexible and yeah. just give it a try. Yeah. Before you say, no, I can't do it. If you try it and it doesn't work, then we'll figure something else out. But I want to say, let's do this because I think it's going to make your life better and e and easier. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, <laughs> and to just be available if the need arose that encouragement or, you know, oh, here's the little trick to do this. Yeah. You led in a way that lowered the pressure almost modeling, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. Right. Yeah. I get that this is a new thing. And, you know, so I love yeah. that you take the time to help your people be successful because yeah. that, that is, you know, an ideal in leadership. It's not just set somebody free and, and hope they, you know, do the right thing, but to really encourage them and equip them to be able to do what, what you've asked. And so that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So when you think about the the timeline of your life, as you mentioned, and all the different <laughs> things that you, well, she broke the rule there and she broke the rule there. Is there a standout as you, you know, reflect on all those different times? Is there a standout where you learned a lot that you still carry with you now? Oh boy. <laughs> you know, because mistakes or whatever are great teachers for us, but we don't always reflect on them. We might say, oh yeah, I had this success and this success, but there are more of the not success that teach wow. us things sometimes. So just curious. Oh boy. Well, what flashed in my mind Right before I turned 60, I was ignoring some very strong signals that I was sick. Mm. I was working like crazy. I was super busy. I was pushing, pounding, you know, kind of, well, I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention. Mm -hmm. I was kind of being up here. Right. Until I wound up in the emergency room and was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And that was a wake up call. 
and there were there that when the doctor told me that I had cancer, I didn't go into victim mode. I said, Oh, so what do I need to do to get well? That was the first thing I said to him. He was sort of, and I can remember him looking at me going, okay. And that was kind of my approach because I, I knew my time wasn't up and I figured, oh, well, okay, this is, this is something that's going to have a beginning, a middle and an end. So now what do I need to do? And I've always been so curious and I always figured out how to do stuff. And I would ask questions until I got what I needed. So that was the same thing I did with cancer. And as I reflect back on my whole experience, it was about six months of my life that were really um, unpredictable in a lot of ways. Yeah. But what came out of it was I'm resilient, I'm tenacious, and again, I can ask for help. Mm. I don't know what to do, I can ask for help. And it shifted my business completely. And I know that authors face really scary stuff, Mm -hmm. but we can get over it. I know that sometimes your book goes, you know, it goes public, but you don't get the response you want, but that doesn't mean your book's dead. Didn't mean I was dead. Didn't mean your book's dead. And if you're tenacious and persistent, you can overcome almost anything. Mm -hmm. And I had to completely rebuild my body. I had to pay attention not only to my my mind. Now I had to inter- be sure that they were integrated. Right. And now I am stronger and healthier. And the same thing is true with how I work with authors. Because I say, hey, you know what? Look what happened here. This was a plot twist. That's mm. all it was. It was mm. a plot twist. And plot twists mean interesting things happen. And you learn lessons from them, and then you can do something different yeah. or better mm. or try it again. Mm-hmm. That's so great. Yeah. That's so great, Judy. I I am so glad I asked you that question because thank you, first of all, for your transparency about your journey and the tenaciousness and resilience and persevering. I mean, those are such essential characteristics that that we can all develop, but they don't come out of nowhere. They come because of struggle. Yep. There, it is developed in struggle. And so, you know, you, first of all, overcoming having such a quiet voice that nobody could hear you and then learning how to take up space. And, you know, every step along the way, those characteristics have been built into you and you needed them and now you're giving them away. That's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Speaking of being a generous person, my dear listener, I know you've enjoyed this conversation, but Judy is offering you a free gift, the Cultivate Your Book Garden, and I will have a way that you can link to her book marketing mentor 
website and connect with her because I know several of you that listen are hopeful authors. And so this may be the connection you've been looking for to reach out to Judy and, and have a conversation much like this one, because I can tell you, honestly, when I first spoke with Judy, there was so much fun. And this has been, again, another time of fun. So thank you so much for being here, Judy. I really appreciate your time and your tenacity with my technology, (laughs) (laughs) your resilience in the face of things that weren't working the way that we thought they should. But here we are. Well, you know what? I think we both have learned if you can't get in that door, go see if you can go through another door or maybe a window. That's right. Yeah. Don't give up too soon. That is truly the thing about life, isn't it? Don't just say, oh, well, (laughs) I mean, people do, but that's, that's not the path that you and I have chosen. So Anyway, thank you again. <laughs> I, I will have all the ways that people can connect with you in the show notes for the episode. And I, again, just am so grateful to have met you and to look forward to future conversations and collaborations. So oh, thanks. Thank Julie. you, Lisa. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let Go Lean In podcast. I so appreciate you taking the time to listen and engage with the thoughts that come out of my head and into this microphone, as well as listening to conversations that I'm privileged to have with other amazing people who are doing great work in the world. I would really appreciate you sharing this episode or other episodes of Let Go Lean In podcast with people who you think would benefit from the information that is being shared here. Also, it's always a great help to others by liking and subscribing to the podcast so that the SEO goes up and Apple Podcast and where you listen to podcasts will show the podcast as interesting and available. So please help us out to get the word out by liking and subscribing and coming back next week. Thanks for being here.